Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. This week, we're talking about the role that purpose plays within a company's culture. Our journey with purpose at Charlie has been a little bit up and down. For years, we struggled to really put our finger on a purpose that felt important and genuine, something that would motivate our team, something that would help us make decisions and chart our path forward. We finally settled on the idea of making work better. If one thing is true about Charlie, it's that we focus heavily on building a workplace where people want to come and spend their time. We realized that nothing was going to be more genuine than taking that passion and applying it to our customers. So we exist to make work better for our team, but also for our customers. But finding a purpose that feels real and genuine is easier said than done. So for today's episode, I want to turn to someone who knows a lot about building culture and who works for an organization where their purpose is very, very clear. So I want to say a big welcome to Dr. Marcia Goddard, Head of Culture at Tony's Chocoloni. Hi, Marcia. How are you? Hi, thanks. I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. This is our second conversation together. We, uh, we first met on a webinar um, a couple of months ago. That was fun. So we thought, hey, let's do a podcast together. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, just tell us a bit about, firstly, what does Tony's do? If people don't know about Tony's, which uh, is a bit wild because it's kind of a big thing here in the UK as well. Um, And then maybe tell us a bit about your journey into the role that you're now doing there. Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, so Tony's Chocolate Only makes chocolate. Uh, So we're a chocolate manufacturer, but we have a very clear mission with our company, and that is to eradicate child labor and modern slavery from the cocoa trade. Um, And obviously that is not easy. Um, but we are a, a purpose-driven company whose main goal is not unlimited profit, but uh, rather a significant impact, I guess I would say. So that's about Tony's. And how I ended up here is um, I've had a strange career path because I'm a neuroscientist. Uh, I used to work as an assistant professor at university, but I, I felt like I felt like I wanted my impact on the world to be bigger because I became a scientist because I thought I could contribute. But then I ended up just doing research, writing papers, and then submitting for grants. And that didn't really make me happy. So I decided to go into business. Uh, but I did want to be a scientist. And that's a, real, no, a little bit strange. Uh, people said that that's not possible. But um, yeah, I guess for, it was partially focused because I really wanted it. But I was also a bit lucky that I met... Uh, the founder of a large recruitment agency in the Netherlands. And he said, I think what you know about the brain, your knowledge of the brain is very useful for people on the work floor. So I'm just going to give you a job and then get to work on our culture, analyze our culture, see what we need, what's missing and how we can improve. So that's how my career in culture research really started. And that was about, I guess, about six years ago. And I worked there for three years uh, as head of HR science and innovation. Then I became head of uh, HR research at a gamification studio, which uses gamification and serious gaming to um, 
achieve positive behavioral change. So basically what I was responsible for was building cultures at other companies um, until I until this job at Tony's came along and I realized that I really wanted to be responsible for building a company inside, a, a building a culture inside a company that I actually worked for start to finish. So that's how I ended up here. And um, I remember when we were introduced, I was super excited and I, and I went back and I said to the team, um, uh, you know, I was explaining to her about your career and the things that you've, you've done because I, as someone who is campaigning and, um, you know, is excited by the idea that culture can become a strategic tool within organizations to actually improve business results, having people like you in the industry um, with, uh, you know, a doctor in your title and uh, a much more impressive CV than I have uh, is, is great, right? Because it, it brings um, it brings the science and it brings um, some, some cold, hard truths to something which I feel like maybe over the last 10, 20 years has been packed up and, and, and seen as something that's maybe a little bit fluffy. And we're trying to kind of de-fluff culture is, is kind of why I got so excited. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. It's, it's, I have to say it is challenging because it's not a hard science. It will never be a hard science, of course. And I am a neuroscientist and that does give me some insights, but I don't necessarily agree with the fact that having a doctorate helps be any, <laughs> um, or that it makes, there's, there's a huge, I, I honestly, I've used the doctor title, obviously, to, 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 to sort of carve out my career path as well, because it does help, but it doesn't mean that I know any better. I just have, um, a scientific approach to things. So it's not necessarily that I feel like I know more, but I do feel like what I can bring is a scientific approach that can help us uncover the truths as they are right now, because in 20 years, things can be completely different, of course. For sure, for sure. Um, I appreciate the honesty. Very. There's one thing you can always expect um, when you have a Dutch guest on is there's always good candor, and I, and I, and I like that, good honesty. Um, so today we're talking about how purpose impacts culture. Um, do you think that businesses with a clear purpose have an edge over those that don't and, and irrespective of culture, right? Just as places to work, places where, um, you know, we br we're bringing people together, uh, to, to do us, do a particular task or achieve a, achieve certain results. Do you think there is just an inbuilt edge there? Well, you know, from a from a let's not screw the planet over any more than we already have perspective, then yeah, definitely. Um, but when I look at it from a broader perspective, I think it's kind of weird that there is such a thing as a purpose-driven company, because shouldn't all companies really have a purpose? Shouldn't they all be purpose-driven? That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess it's that classic, classic thought of, you know, you, and you hear this a lot in, in, in books about starting companies or being an entrepreneur or founding, founding an organization, which is, um, you know, there is such a thing as being too in love with an idea or being too in love with the idea of starting a, a business. And I think, you know, maybe that's some, that's one place where we've taken maybe a few steps wrong over the last 10 years, right? It's never been easier to start a business. But I feel, therefore, to some degree that there is a group of people who have started companies because they're excited by the idea of starting a company rather yeah. than being really passionate about solving a certain problem or eradicating something or having an impact on the world. 
Yeah, yeah, I think they're called serial entrepreneurs. I think that's a thing, but and I think that's good. I think these people can be incredibly valuable in helping other people who do have a purpose but maybe don't really know how to start a company. I think if these people find each other, then you can have real synergy and be incredibly successful. Uh, because that's also part like we're a commercial company. We have a very clear purpose. We're a commercial company. So in order to to complete our mission, we need to be ridiculously successful. And to do that, you need to have a really good entrepreneur or at least an entrepreneurial mindset within your organization to help you get to where you need to be. Yeah, I like that. I, like, I really like that justification. Um, so people won't know this, but you're relatively new in your journey at Tony's. Um, yes. I think we're in the first six months, right? Yes, we are. Um, so I just want to look for a second at your experience of being hired by Tony's. Did you feel a pull um, towards that purpose? Was that a big part of the hiring process for you? Yes and no. Um, I think um, I wanted to work for Tony's because it had everything. It was the complete package. If there wasn't a job that fit my um, intrinsic motivation, then I wouldn't want to work here. I think a lot of people are drawn towards organizations with a purpose because they just they want to work for Tony's because they love Tony's as a company. But I think it's also for your personal development, but also for the business results, incredibly important that you work somewhere in a job that's actually suited to you as well. So it was a combination of both. I have never had this challenge professionally when it comes to building a culture and making a culture grow internationally. So that was amazing. And then it was even more amazing to be able to do it at a company such as Tony's that has such a clear purpose and whose moral compass is completely in line with my own. Very super interesting. And, you know, the process that you're in right now is obviously, you know, you're, you're new into the role. And so it's diagnostic, it's listening, it's, it's trying to get an idea of what exists, um, what are the kind of learnt uh, behaviors and, and, you know, what are the ones that are documented, but also what are the ones that are kind of subtle and that just exist because they exist? No one's ever really said, but they're kind of there. Do you see one of the things, um, that you might be focusing on over the next, um, six months to a year is, is working out how to take, uh, Tony's purpose and make it an active part of either your ability to attract great talent or, keep them in the building? Well, I think it's already a part of, of the attraction because, I mean, we have a huge edge in recruitment. Whenever we have an opening, we get a lot of applications. And I think that really has something to do with the fact that we have an explicitly purpose-driven approach and we communicate that to the outside world very, very clearly. So I think everybody understands what our mission is. And, and it's literally when we ask people, why do you want to work for Tony's? It is usually the first thing they say is the mission. And even when I was doing this um, culture analysis that I'm doing right now, I do um, interviews with a number of people in the organization. And I ask them, what is the best thing about working for Tony's? They all say the mission, the purpose. So it's such a large part of who we are and how we do things already that I don't think we have to magnify it even more because it's there yeah before we jumped on you were saying to me that you know you, you feel very lucky at the moment because you're super jazzed and you've got loads of energy in the morning to like jump out of bed and, and go and do work and you know and such I find that such a motivating comment because I, I you know one of the things that sits behind behind our purpose is this idea that for so many people that's not a thing yeah I know you know for so many people it's um you know work isn't a place they want to go and it's this um and I feel like we are making progress but 
this idea of living for the weekend and, um, you know, uh, count, counting down the minutes until five o'clock when I can clock off. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting is how having a reason to your work, a purpose to your work, actually ends up improving the quality of the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, you know, do you, A, do you feel that? And, and also, I always think the people with the most interesting perspectives are those that are new into environments. Have you been impressed coming into Tony's at, you know, the quality of output, the, the results, the people, the, the creative insight that's coming out of the room? Uh, well, to answer your first question, um, yeah, I think we, this is something that we actually know from research as well. Having a purpose or having a reason, being intrinsically motivated, it just, it, it, it triggers, it makes you much more dedicated and commitment. I mean, it, it basically, your brain starts pumping dopamine and that means that you're much more determined to deliver, um, especially now with the lockdown that we're in. Um, I think it's, it's almost essential to do work that, you know, you know, has an impact on the world somehow, because there's not really much else that is under our control right now. So it's a great feeling that you know that you can contribute by just doing your job. That's honestly one of the things that also helps me to stay motivated throughout the lockdown. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that I see. Uh, and when it comes to results, what I've been most impressed with is the creativity in the company. I mean, we've been around for 15 years already, but we now have the Sweet Solution campaign. It's um, we, we created a few bars that kind of look like a few other bars that you may have seen before. <laughs> I love that. I love that after 15 years, and our, our, our marketing team is still able to come up with, with things that really, that can really trigger something, that can really have an impact. It's, it's surprising. So, and I think that really has to do with the fact that people are so dedicated to this mission because that's why we do it. Everything, every decision that we make is with the, the mission in mind. And, and I've seen that campaign and I want to give it a bit of love. And so I guess the premise is that some of maybe those bigger brands that we aren't going to name um, maybe don't have chocolate-making processes that are completely uh, slave or exploitation-free. And so this is a way of saying, you know, hey, guys, we, can, we, we know what you're up to. We can see what you're up to. Let's, let's all be better. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing that you mentioned, that let's all do it together. It's not about beating them or about, you know, um, criticizing. It's about just stimulating them to join us. Because if we do it together, then we can actually have an impact. So we're not trying to beat the competition per se. We're trying to get them to come with us. And, and, I, and I really just, I just want to flag and highlight for listeners um, just for a second how, I, how important I think that distinction is. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things that I definitely perceive from, uh, you see it within sort of um, the high growth uh, technology startup landscape globally, you can see competitive situations where it is very much us against them, where it's very much we're going to beat, we're going to, um, we're going to destroy the competition, almost these negative connotations of, of, of competition. And, um, and I really don't think that that's positive uh, for a culture. Uh, and so, you know, what you just explained is just a really lovely example of how changing the words that we use to describe things and to you know set up our beliefs I think also changes how we feel about them 
Definitely. Communication is everything. Also, when it comes to culture, the language, the words that you choose determine the culture that you have. And Tony Chuckalonely, way back in the beginning, made the conscious decision to always use a positive tone of voice. That is, it's, it's at the core of what the organization is. And you also see that in, in the way we do things and the way we speak about the competition, because you're, you're absolutely right, us versus them. It works in the short run. But in the long run, it doesn't necessarily create a culture that makes people very happy. And therefore, it it sort of demotivates them. Yeah. And I'm sure it translates to how employees talk with themselves and team members talk with themselves and people talk about managers. You know, you have to mirror the language and the behaviors that you want. And I think that's a really beautiful example of, of, of you all mirroring the language that you want internally, externally. Definitely, yes. Doesn't doesn't take away from the fact that we want to, you know, outsell them in in the short run, because in order for them to come with us, we need to show them that it is possible to become a really large global corporation while doing it in an ethically more, um, in a more ethical way. So yeah, we, we're definitely a commercial company and we are sales driven. We need to sell chocolate. That's the focus, but always with that mission in mind, always with the, the idea in mind that at some point they're going to call us and say, okay, we're in. You, you kind of led on to my next question kind of perfectly, which is that you're a commercial organization um, and you want to outsell them. Um, you want to sell lots of chocolate. If you don't sell lots of chocolate, you can't enact your purpose, right? Um, so that's really, really important. One of the things that I think gets in the way sometimes of people putting stakes in the ground when it comes down to what we stand for and what we don't stand for is this idea of, well, if I say that this is what we're about and then we're put in a situation where that purpose or that reason is really challenged, it's going to limit the decisions that we can make as a business or it's going to limit the decisions that I can make as a founder or as a CEO or as a leader. So, you know, I guess there's two parts to this question, but it's sort of, do you ever see moments where purpose can get in the way of doing business? That's a good question. For me personally, it hasn't happened. Uh, But I think that really has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, Tony's purpose is really in line with my personal purpose. Um, I do think that that really helps. Uh, but for example, when, when, when I talk about that positive tone of voice, which is at the core of what Tony's is, obviously that gets in the way of having honest conversations. Because if you always have to have a positive tone of voice, how are you going to give feedback? So th- those are things that we struggle with internally. Uh, it's not, I mean, we can solve it. We just need to understand it better. And that's also one of the reasons I'm doing this analysis to see how big is this problem really. But yeah, that is something that I've seen internally that people confuse um, constructive feedback with criticism, or they find it difficult to, to to balance the positive tone of voice with actually saying, okay, we need to do better because sometimes things can go wrong. So that would be one example. But like I said, for me personally, it hasn't happened yet. But I guess, well, I would guess, and, and you might tell me otherwise, that from the outside, it's probably more expensive to make chocolate in the way that you make it than it is if I if we were to exploit more people in the process. So Tony's could be a more financially um, successful organization than maybe it is now. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. But um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, we pay more for our cocoa. So yeah, that costs us money. But to me and to us, money is a means to an end. 
it's not a goal in itself. So the goal is to get everybody to produce it in this way. But if we don't do it in that way, then how the hell are we going to get other people to come with us? So yes, it has an impact, but this is built into the business model. We are still a very financially healthy organization, even though we do it this way. And that's what we want to show, that you can be financially healthy and still be ethical. It kind of it gives us a great example of sometimes how I see purpose being used, which is that on one hand, a business says, this is what we believe in. These are, this is our purpose. But on the other hand, you see them making decisions that maybe are against that. Now, we, we spent the top of this show, the first half of the show, talking about all of these amazing gains that you get from having a purpose, right? Better work. People want to come work for you. People want to stay in the building. This is all good. That's all translating in business results at the end of the day. But um, I feel like all of that good work is undone if you say that you have a purpose, which you then don't actually enact in the decisions that you make. Yeah, you have to walk the walk. And if you don't, then and I think that's one of the things that that the organization I'm speaking about it as if it's a person, but everybody in in everybody at Tony's understands that uh, we're not perfect and we do our best. Uh, but sometimes the things that we do may not be in line with what we say that our purpose is. But then we would like everyone to just tell us one of our one of our core values is outspoken which means that we speak out about things that we do not agree with. And we are very much open to feedback from people who tell us that they don't agree with the things that we've done. And, and that has happened in the past and that's okay. And then we try to change um, the way we act. So I don't think it's about being perfect because that's, that's almost an unreachable goal. But I think it is about being willing, about the willingness to change um, the way you act. So diversity and inclusion, for example, is, is one... Um, very prominent example. Um, Tony wants to be diverse and inclusive, but didn't really know how. It's actually one of the reasons I was hired. We want to do better in this in this area, but they didn't really know how. And people were talking about, oh, you're a white company, things like that. So it's about the sincere motivation to actually take the steps necessary to get there. Um, it's about continuous improvement rather than ultimate perfection. Yeah, or it's about at least showing that you're committed to yeah. your values, your beliefs, or whatever you've put a stake yeah. in the ground and said, yeah, this is what we're going to stand by, rather than bending it and manoeuvring it to suit you at that time. We're recording this um, kind of the week after all of the game stop stuff went down in the US with Robinhood, um, uh, the trading app, uh, you know, banning its customers or, or taking away the ability of its customers to trade in that in that stock for a period of time. And yeah. obviously the backlash was, you know, you've told us that you were for the people and it, your actions now don't, um, they, 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 they don't support that. Yeah. Um, and so you can build up all this goodwill. You can build up all this... Um, his credibility, but I think it's really important to make this point for everyone listening. You can undo it overnight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you need to be, and that's why I say we're not perfect, but we try. To, we we always strive for it. We always strive to improve. Strive to be better. Um, 
because that is to us that's the only way to do it there's no we would never do what, what you just described with Robin taking the app offline stuff like that we will never ever consciously deliberately pay the farmers less or not enough we would never do that and if we do that our whole reason for existing is gone because we don't exist to become as profitable as possible we exist to make sure that everybody understands that you can eat chocolate which is lovely and it's great and you can do it in an ethical way so it's sticking true to your purpose really yeah someone once told me and I, either i read it or someone told it to me or i made it up i can't remember <laughs> which one it is but they said to me that your beliefs are not your beliefs unless they hurt you. I.e., if we stand by something, it should be painful to stand by that thing. Um, and, and I really, I think that's, I use that in a business context a lot and I think about it in a business context a lot. And there are multiple decisions that we made over the years where we could have made more progress or we could have, probably grown a bit faster or we could have done X, Y, and Z. And we haven't because it would have mean sort of going back on our purpose to make work better for our team. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think that's really important, right? I think it's really important to remind people that having a purpose organization, purpose driven organization can be amazing for you in terms of the benefits, but it's hard and there's going to be some painful moments. I actually feel exactly the same way about culture. Your true culture becomes visible when things don't go according to plan. You can have all these core values and you can make posters out of it and hang them in the window and that will be your employer brand and people will come work for you. But if you say, for example, we're an organization in which it's okay to make mistakes, but then you don't act on it. And then when things go south, you immediately turn around and say, oh no, it's not okay anymore. That's your true culture. So yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying and I fully agree. So let's just look at the kind of impact of that COVID's had on all of this. And, and, you know, you made a really nice point, uh, you know, 10 minutes ago about um, sort of the neurological side effects of having a reason to do something. And, yeah. you know, part of the, one of the factors that has made the last 12 months so difficult is control has been taken away from us in, in, in many ways. And so, um, maybe our outlets to that, that give us that dopamine that that that, that give us those those happy hormones maybe aren't there aren't as many of them that exist as as there as there once used to be. Do you think that what we've been through, what we're going through, is going to change how people look at the companies a they work at or b that they that they want to work at? Do you think people are going to look for organizations that are more purpose-driven and purpose-led? I think so. It's, it, I'm not sure, of course, but I think that, that many people are now more motivated than ever to work for a company that tries to make the world a better place. Um, I see 2020 as one huge existential crisis, and that's led people just to look inward. And, and for most of them, the result of that introspection is the realization that they want to make a difference. So I think really think purpose is becoming more important than ever. And I honestly, I hope so, because I think that would be a very good thing because it will force organizations to think more about their purpose as well. Yeah. Have you, I mean, just, uh, just anecdotally, have you seen that in terms of numbers of people applying for roles and, and that kind of thing at Tony's? I mean, have you, do you feel like there is a more, there's more of a focus on you? There's more people who are like, yeah, I'd really quite like to work there because that feels like 
something that I would like to contribute to. Well, honestly, I don't know what it was like before COVID, obviously, because I started yeah. during the lockdown. Uh, but we, we do have massive response to to uh, any any job that we have online. And you always say always say that it is because they want to work for a purpose driven organization or because they support the mission or because they want to do something that is more that feels more morally right to them. So it is always really honestly, I think I can say without exception, part of the motivation for people to to apply. That's superb, and I'm really glad but also kind of also a bit sad because if there's lots of people applying for roles, there's a bunch of people that won't be getting roles. Um, so yeah. I, I guess if we can convince any companies listening to, to do more work when it comes to their purpose, um, I think that that can only be a, it can only be a good thing. Definitely. So what we like to do at the end of our episodes is, um, you know, we spend the first kind of two thirds of the episode talking about why in this instance, purpose is such an important part of your culture and as a building block um and then at the end what we like to do is say well that's great we're bought into that you know people are listening going okay we need to relook at our at our purpose it can be hard to to know where to start on some of these things especially when it comes to culture and i think that's really the main aim of these conversations is to try and make culture crafting an easier thing for people to pursue really want to help people build and craft their cultures. So um, how do you operationalize uh, purpose? How do you take it from being something that you you inherently know, that you've thought about, like, yeah, this feels right? How do you actually make it something that the business represents? Because I think running something down on a piece of paper is very different to living it every day. Yeah, so there's, first of all, obviously the lead by example. So once you know what your purpose is, you have to behave in line with that purpose as a leader. I really think this comes, this is top down. Um, and I think you need to be able to really explain what it means for the expectations that you have of the people working for your organizations. People, people find it important to understand what is expected of them. That gives them comfort. That gives them, that makes them, that, and that helps to trigger their motivation. Uh, so that's why I always think of this in terms of behavior. You need to operationalize, as you said, what does this mean for the behavior of the people? And if you've done that, then you need to start living it. And starting to live it, there's no golden rule there. It just starts with trying it, taking small steps, and keep evaluating. Keep looking at your organization. Are we still behaving in a way that is in line with the purpose that we have? And that's why I'm I'm very much in favor of a head of culture for this specific reason. (laughs) Because it gives you the remit to evaluate, to feedback, to craft um, all aspects of the organization, I guess. Yeah, and, and it needs focus. It shouldn't be something that somebody does on the side. Oh, yeah, we also need to look at our culture. No, I really think, think it should be a focal point of your strategy as a whole, which it is at Tony's, and that it works. It just it works very well. So um, what are the processes that, you would want to change or you would consider changing, I guess, as part of part of your role? Because that's the other thing that I think I'm very passionate about is, um, yeah, and that's why we call it culture ops, is, be- is because there is a huge operational element of culture that kind of goes, I think, sometimes unspoken about. So, you know, what are the processes that you might change or have changed or would want to change in the future as, as part of your responsibility in crafting culture at, at Tony's? I think Tony's is is very much on the right track. What I think we we need to be better at is, like I said, that we have these values, these core values, and I'm trying to make them more concrete. 
And once we've done that, then we can start using them in our hiring process. Uh, because obviously commitment to Tony's is not really a problem. Uh, sometimes it is a problem to get people engaged with their actual job. And we want both. <laughs> we don't want, like I said, we don't want people who only want to work for Tony's. We want, I just hired a facility manager and I hired someone who seriously, honestly enjoys being a facility manager and also wants to work for Tony. So I think that's one thing. And then it's hiring in line with your values and doing it in a bias-free way. Not looking for cultural fit, but looking for cultural add. What does your organization need to get to the next level? Those are some concrete things that come to mind first. And I'm glad you talked about hiring because um, I think your purpose should change the people that you hire, right? Yes. Or as was the case with me, I guess I felt like this was a match made in heaven in the sense that I really feel like my purpose is very much in line with the purpose of, of the company. But I would rather, honestly, I would rather have someone who is really good at their job and accepts the purpose for what it is. Obviously, you don't want somebody who is, this sounds weird, for modern slavery. I don't know if these people exist, but you know what I mean. Um, but I don't necessarily need somebody who is in love with the purpose. I'd rather have someone who is very good at their job and is okay with the purpose, put it that way. So for me, the, the, the fit with the job will always win. It's There has to be a fit with the job and the purpose. It can't be a fit with the purpose but less of a fit with the job, right? That's never yeah. going to work out. No, not in the end. In the end, that's going to end up with people not being um, happy. It's going to be, it's gonna end up not being happy in their job. They're not performing. And then in the end, they're going to leave anyway, whether it's voluntarily or involuntarily. And that's never good because when people, we have this process called Tony's for Life. So when people leave our organization, they are Tony's for Life. So they will forever for the rest of their lives will receive every new bar that we, that we release because they are part of the Tony's team. They're part of the Tony's culture. And we need those ambassadors because the only way for us to reach that mission is if everybody feels like it's the right thing to do. So that means that we would rather not have people leave in a bad way. And if you're not in the right place, then usually it ends badly. I think that's, we have this way on this show of people um, talking and giving just incredible advice in the middle of a sentence. And one of the things that I just want to pick out from what you said there was this idea that often I see people getting really excited about a job because of the company and they're but they're actually not that excited about what the job is day to day and for anyone out there looking for a job I think you've got to be so you've got to be so careful of that because as you kind of say right it will end in people being unhappy and you'll probably end up leaving definitely definitely um so let's just summarize for people if if this was me tomorrow um I've had a go at coming up with a purpose for our organization. What are the three things uh, in order that I should do next to, to really make it stick and really make it something that we live by? What are the three most important things? Step one to be to make it as concrete as possible. So uh, to manage the expectations, make it, write it down in terms of behavior. Second one would be to communicate that to the organization in a crystal clear way. So that's why it has to be unambiguous. So the behaviors that you write down need to be unambiguous. So for, I'm just going to give a random example that I always give. Flexible is not a behavior because your interpretation of flexible is going to be very different from mine. It could be mental flexibility, being able to adapt to new situations. It could also be willingness to work late, which are two very, very different things. So make it as concrete as possible. 
Lead by example would be the second one. Show the behavior that you are telling everybody else to show. And then the third one would be to hire accordingly. Amazing. Hire in line with your values. And um, so there you go. Um, make your purpose as concrete as possible. Make it really unambiguous. Talk in this language of behaviors, which I love. They're so action orientated. Um, lead by example. Honestly, it sounds so simple, but you'd be surprised at how many people <laughs> I see get this one wrong and, and hire accordingly. Um, what a conversation. Uh, what an episode. And uh, with that, we need to wrap up today. So um, I want to say a big thank you to Marcia for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I had a very good time. And I'm sure we'll do this again soon, right? I hope so. <laughs> um, uh, and then, as ever, I've got to thank Mel, our producer behind the virtual glass, for keeping the show on the road. To all of you listening along, wherever you are, we really appreciate you. Um, and if you really appreciate us, then please go and drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to seeing you again soon. I've been Ben Branson, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Thank you.